The following is a sermon from the Edgington Evangelical Presbyterian Church in Taylor Ridge, Illinois. And we come now to a time of opening the scriptures together, uh, not just the children, but uh, all of us together opening up the Bible. And I'd like to encourage you to open your Bible with me to Psalm 128. Uh, if you have a Bible nearby, go ahead and grab it, or if it's on your phone, or if it's on your tablet, whatever it is, uh, grab a copy of the Scriptures and open with me to Psalm 128. The title of this psalm is, Blessed is Everyone Who Fears the Lord. And this psalm is uh, still in this group of Psalms of Ascents that we've been looking at during this quarantine period. Fifteen psalms uh, towards the back half of the Psalter, which uh, assemble together this collection of songs that uh, pilgrims would use as they traveled to Jerusalem to go and worship the Lord. And they had these various things on their minds. And we've been seeing throughout these psalms together that there's many different topics. Uh, Some of them are sorrowful, that they are laments. Others are filled with praise and filled with delight. And some of them are filled with the remembrance of particular things. Uh, But this psalm this morning is especially focused on the blessings that God gives to us which, of course, is a wonderful motivation as we go to worship the Lord. As you go to worship the Lord, as you worship the Lord with us now, it is good and right and faithful for you to be conscious of the ways in which God has blessed you and the ways in which he's promised to bless you even still uh, to stir your heart up with worship and love for the triune God. So if you've got your Bible open to Psalm 128, let's pray together and we will hear God's word this morning. Father, we turn now to the scriptures and we confess that that this is your word, that it is the word of truth that the apostle tells us is, is without error and able to guide us in all manner of godliness. Lord, we are a people that need to be led in godliness this morning, not just this morning, but always, but especially now on the Lord's day when we gather together to say we are the people of God. Lord, now we sit under the authority of your word and pray that you would speak to us, that you would, through the authority of the scriptures, communicate your very word and heart to us, that we might know you, that we might know you more, and that knowing you in an ever-increasing depth of love, we might follow you even more obediently than we have in the past. And so, Lord, bless now the reading and hearing and proclamation of your word, May it glorify the name of Jesus Christ to us, for we pray in his name. Amen. And hear now the word of God from Psalm 128. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. This is the word of God. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children Peace be upon Israel. Amen. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God abides forever and ever. May he write its eternal truth upon our hearts this morning and always, but 
we will remain in Psalm 128 as we consider the blessings that God gives to us. And I want you to first of all notice that Psalm 128 begins actually where the entire book of Psalms begins. Psalm number one, we heard it as our call to worship this morning. Psalm one, the opening psalm of the Psalter, begins with the statement, blessed is the man, and then goes on to expound the blessings of God that belong to the righteous man in contrast to the ways of the wicked. And the picture is given in Psalm one of the man of God being like a tree that is planted by the waters and yields fruit in its season and its leaves don't wither and it prospers. Uh, The man of God prospers in whatever he undertakes. And the simple point there is that God's blessing rests upon uh, the one who trusts in him. And that blessing rests on the believer in a way that is different, that is foreign and strange to the unbeliever. There's something about the life of the Christian believer that is standing in contrast to the unbeliever. And Psalm 128, now the psalm that we're in this morning, calls back that reality, which was the opening statement of the Psalter, but gives it in a bit more detail. Look again at verse 1. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. This is a psalm that is full of blessings. We find the word in two different forms, in four different verses, verse 1, verse 2, verse 4, verse 5. And when we're speaking about blessings, what is it that we mean? You know, people use that word all the time, don't they? They're blessings, and they're blessed, and we even say bless you. But what what does this word mean? This is a very fundamental reality for your life as a Christian believer. What is it that God has placed upon you when he speaks of his blessings. What we're talking about here is, in one sense, happiness, but in the most profound sense of the word, a deep and abiding joy, which is the particular favor that belongs to the people of God. And so I want to say to you this morning, if you are a Christian believer, you are blessed. But of course, God blesses all in in some way. But the main point here is that it's good to point out early on that the blessing and happiness that rests upon the people of God is more substantial and it is more specific than the general blessing that belongs even to the unbeliever and all people, the people of this world. And so I want to be clear about this. God does indeed bless everyone. He blesses all creatures of this world. God does bless even the unbeliever. Of course he does. That's what we call common grace. That's what the Lord Jesus speaks about in Matthew 5 when he says the sun rises and the rain falls on the just and the unjust. That God doesn't show particularity with his blessings when it comes to these common things. That there is grace and blessing for the unbeliever and the believer alike. And that's called common grace. But... Psalm 128 is not talking about common grace. It's talking about what the hymn writer John Newton taught us to sing in the hymn, Glorious Things of Thee Are Spoken, which is a hymn that we sing from time to time in this church. And it has that line that 
marks the sermon title this morning, Solid Joys and Lasting Treasure, None But Zion's Children Know. And what John Newton is speaking about there is something of the blessings that Psalm 128 is talking about, that there is a joy that endures and a treasure that lasts, which is the fruit of God's blessing. And only the people of God know it in sincerity. Only those who are the citizens of Zion, the city of God. And that blessing is poured out, this psalm says, in three different areas. And we'll we'll see those in just a moment. But those three areas are the blessing of life and labor. The blessing of our individual lives, life and labor. Secondly, the, the blessed family. And third, the blessed people of God. The blessed man, the life and labor of our blessed lives. Secondly, the blessed family and then the blessed people of God. And in each one of these three areas, there is a particular emphasis on fruitfulness and bounty that comes as a result of God's blessing. But before we get into the detail of these three areas, we need to see that these particular blessings of fruitfulness and bounty are promised to those who, in true piety and godliness, are those who, you see it in verse 1, those who fear the Lord. Those who fear the Lord. So we're going to see in each one of these areas, the blessed individual, the blessed man, the blessed woman, the blessed family, and the blessed people of God. But before we get into those areas, we have to understand what verse 1 is saying to us about the source of where that blessing comes from and why it comes. Again, verse 1 tells us, that the source of all these blessings is the God who is feared. The fear of God. Now, I wonder how that phrase lands on you this morning. The fear of God. God-fearing. Uh, that's, a, that's a phrase that is very common in the Bible. And I think used to be much more common in the vernacular of our society But it's something that the Bible commands us to do over 150 times, to fear the Lord, to fear God. And Solomon tells us in the book of Proverbs chapter 9 that it is the fear of the Lord that it is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I understand that many people get hung up on this phrase and they're uncertain about exactly what it means. And I admit for a very long time, I I had no clue about this and it really actually troubled me. Why would I want to be afraid of God? That doesn't seem to make sense. But when the Bible talks about the fear of the Lord, this is talking about a fear that is primarily reverence. A fear that is primarily reverence. That when we see God for who he is, for his greatness and for his majesty and for his holiness, we see that God is infinitely greater than who we are. That he is infinitely greater than our finite minds can even comprehend. And because he is infinite, we cannot even approach the footstool of his throne in terms of comprehension. And when we think of that, and when our hearts are stirred with wonder, and when our minds are filled with the truth of his majesty, then comes this notion of a proper response to the holy holy, holy God that we've sung about, and that is simply reverence and adoration. A reverence that bows down in his presence. 
And that's what the first answer of the Shorter Catechism is getting at when it says plainly that knowing God for who He is moves us to realize that our chief end is to glorify Him and enjoy Him forever. To honor Him for who He is and live our lives in the fear of God, in holy reverence before Him, as Psalm 128 says, walking in His ways. This is a very elementary part of being a Christian believer, to live and walk in the fear and knowledge of the Lord. And when we do that, there is great blessings for us. And that's what this psalm is saying. So those who fear the Lord are called to walk in his ways. And by walking in his ways, we are here promised wonderful, rich blessings. So we want to see what those are. First of all, let's see the the blessed man, the blessed person. Look in verse 2. The blessing is promised. Verse 2, you shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Now, you may be interested to know that some other translations use the word prosperity here in this verse, which has often led to a little bit of confusion about material possessions and how much wealth a Christian believer should really have. And if they don't have a lot of wealth, does that mean that they're not blessed? That's not what this is talking about. And so when it says, it shall be well with you, uh, that, is, that is a better sense of the word than just the word prosperity. Because this is talking about, in verse 2, the God-fearing individual who puts their hand to the plow, as it were. We use that phrase. And God blesses their labors. Who God blesses their ordinary vocation, their work, what they do day to day to earn a living. And this psalm is saying that meaningful work that God blesses is not a, a trivial thing. It's not an act of vanity. It's not purposeless. The idea of meaningful work is as old as the Garden of Eden, that God made Adam and Eve to work, to do things, to accomplish things, and then be fulfilled in that accomplishment with a sense that God blesses their labors and they find virtue in the living out of their vocation with their hands and and giving themselves to those labors, that God's blessing was in the work that they do. But remember that when creation and man are cursed, and the world and humanity falls into sin, one of the curses that comes with it is actually the vanity and toil of hard labor. Genesis chapter 3 speaks that Adam will work by the sweat of his brow and labor hard. But here we find in Psalm 128 that there is a blessing associated with the fact that you shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. Now I understand that that not everybody is into gardening, uh, but it's uh, been interesting to see that, that more people than ever, perhaps, are getting into gardening. I was told that you can't get many seedlings left, that if I wanted to plant some tomatoes, I better do so very, very soon because they're running out, and I'm getting nervous about that, so I better get to work on that. But this is here talking about, uh, literally, the blessing that comes through labor that we give our life to and the sense of accomplishment and joy the enjoyment and contentment in the exercise of our skills and our abilities, that's a blessing from the Lord. Uh, Work and labor is dignified by God and indeed blessed. Now, I don't think that means that every Christian believer is always going to have their dream job. In fact, I know plenty of people who feel that they don't have their dream job and that their job is something of a drudgery. 
But what this means here is it means that the Christian believer understands something about their work. That the Apostle Paul writes in Colossians 3, that whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive an inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. As a Christian believer, we understand that we, we live out our vocation, not just in an earthly sense to appease our bosses or earn an earthly living, but to do something before the Lord that he will bless and dignify. There is blessing in your work and dignity in your labors for the God-fearing person. And they understand that. You're doing more than just earthly labor. You are honoring the Lord through your effort, through your integrity, and there is a blessing for you there if you're mindful of it. So there is a, a blessing that rests on the, the individual person who in their day-to-day -day ordinary life, we usually don't think of our ordinary lives as being that extraordinarily spiritual, but the Bible tells us that your vocation matters before God and your day-to-day -day vocation is dignified and indeed blessed. So the blessing rests on the individual, but then secondly, not just the individual, but also the family, the God-fearing family. The blessed family. You see that picture in verses 3 and 4. Verse 3, your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house and your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Now, this is talking about, of course, the blessing that God gives to the family, the God-fearing family. And, and before we over-idealize this picture... Let's recognize the fact that just like the matter of work and labor that came out of verse 2, the Bible is not ignorant to the fact that just like work can be hard and demanding, raising a family is not all quaint moments around the table where everyone is getting along perfectly all the time, right? And yet, in our ordinary family lives, God's blessing is in the midst of us. The Christian family is blessed and God is dignifying our obedience, our ordinary obedience of gathering around uh, as a family, worshiping, eating together, uh, spending time together. The ordinary faithfulness of nurturing a Christian home is one of the unique blessings to the child of God. We should say very clearly that God loves families, that the family is the most basic unit of creation and of society. Family relationships teach us that we have a place of belonging, a place of love and embrace, where we learn that we are loved, not because we did anything, but simply because we were born into this group of people. That we learn are our people, our own family. And it is through the family, this is very important, it is through the family that the Christian religion primarily advances. Because God has pledged himself to be God both to us and to our children and our children's children, that there is a covenantal inheritance and a passing down of the faith that uniquely happens within individual families where we are called to nurture faith in our children and so pass along the faith to them. And Psalm 128 pictures that reality and it's brought back even again in verse 6 with the picture of grandchildren. Now, what a unique blessing grandchildren are. I know so many people who testify what a wonderful joy their grandchildren are. Uh, many times they say uh, it's, it's better than having children because you get all the delights of them and then you get to hand them back to their parents is what usually people say. Uh, but not just that, the unique blessing of seeing your children raise children, passing down an inheritance, especially of faithfulness is what this psalm is looking to. 
family covenant keeping, nurturing families that fear the Lord and walk in his ways. I can't tell you uh, as a pastor how much of a delight it is to see families worship together, uh, to see multiple generations lifting their voice in praise to God. And in our particular church, especially the unique joy of knowing previous generations of your families, knowing their faithfulness and seeing you continue in your faithfulness, telling the story of the gospel to them that your ancestors told to you and so passing on the faith and glorifying God in your homes and through your families. I can't tell you how much that matters. It matters deeply and God's glory is in it. And so people of God, press on knowing that God's glory and blessing is upon your families. Now there's more than than what Psalm 28 says about families, of course, and other things. There's more than the Bible says. That there are things that we could touch on. Of course, the Bible speaks about those for whom this is not the picture that they experience. Those who live under the calling of singleness, or perhaps those couples for whom children was not an option, or couples, for whatever reason, they don't have children, or perhaps those who come from broken homes and the idealized picture is not a reality. Please don't discount the realities of those people as well to realize that God's blessing rests upon them as well. But Psalm 128 is speaking of the ordinary act of covenant-keeping obedience and nurturing a family as the usual way of passing on the faith and inheritance, that God's blessing is in it. So the individual, and then it expands the family, and see a third expanse as well. Finally, there is a third area, the blessed people of God, the God-fearing society, the God-fearing company of people. In verses 5 and 6, the expanse of blessing widens beyond the individual family to include the association of families together, the larger people of God, and even the place where they live. Look at verses 5 and 6. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Uh, Even if you don't have children yourself, uh, even if you're not married yourself, you are a part of a larger family. And that family, of course, is the family of the church. And that's what verses 5 and 6 are speaking of here. When it speaks of the blessings of Zion, in other words, the blessing that God gives is not only enjoyed in life, labor, and family, it's enjoyed in the church, among the company of Zion. That's what Zion represents, the gathered people of God. That's where the people of God were headed, singing the Psalms of Ascents, to Zion, to worship God, the gathered people of God together. And when the people of God gather together, and they know themselves a part of the family of God, there is a wonderful blessing with that, isn't there? to know yourself associated together with the people of God. Listen to what one commentator has to say about this very reality, the blessing of God for the Christian and the church. It cannot be that the true child of God should fail to love the church. He was born in Zion. There God first revealed himself to the soul. There in Zion spring all his best hope. The choicest of blessings is connected with the company of the faithful. 
And what that means is simply this, the unique joys of being a part of the family of God, being a part of uh, those who are the citizens of Zion, members of a covenant-keeping, gospel-preaching, Bible-believing church, and not just individual churches, but the true church as it exists throughout history and space and time, a citizen of Zion. Now, in application of that, of course, we are reminded, as we are week by week, as you watch on a screen, phone, tablet, computer, TV, whatever, we're reminded that the church is not presently gathered together, and so we feel that there is this sense of lack, but does that mean that God has stopped blessing his people? And the answer is, of course not. This is a helpful reminder for us, actually, as we think about the entire psalm. Because on this side of the eternal state, on this side of the new heavens and the new earth, your life, your labor, your family, and our church family have within them the echoes of eternity that look forward to the fullness of the blessing that we experience in a foretaste now. And what I mean by that is that your life and your labor and your family and being a part of this church family represent a foretaste of a reality of what will be one day. That's how we can make sense of the fact that work is sometimes a dreadful labor, but God is redeeming it to be a blessing where one day we will labor no longer. And that's how we can make sense of the fact that family ties are sometimes strained and burdened, but it is through the family that God is working his salvation even to the next generation. And that's how we can make sense of the fact that even when the church is not physically together, God still pronounces his benediction of peace upon us. As the psalm ends, peace be upon Israel, peace be upon the people of God. Because in this life, the blessings of God, they don't cause us to live in ignorance to the fact that we live in a fallen world. Instead, they give us the hope that God is at work in this fallen world to bring his blessing, to redeem your life, your family, your church family, as God brings his kingdom through the means of these areas where he is blessing and bringing about his kingdom. And so this psalm is capturing the heart of a worshiper, delighting in God, delighting in the promises of God, delighting in the blessings of God in life, in family, and in the church. And as he reflects on that, he worships God and how right and true a thing it is. And so I would just simply ask you today, are you conscious of the ways in which God has blessed you? Are you aware that in and through Jesus Christ, In the power of the gospel, you have the forgiveness of your sins, a new life in which you can live and labor for his sake. Have you been awakened to the reality that life is more than just living for yourself, that there is a greater king and a greater kingdom? Are you aware of that? And are you mindful of all the ways that God has blessed you in your life, in your family, in your church? And does that move you to praise him, to simply say, Thank you from all of my heart. Thank you for your goodness toward me. If that's true of you, loved ones, then lift your hearts to the Lord and believe these words that blessed is everyone. Blessed are you who fear the Lord and walk in his ways. Dear friends, may you know 
that blessing and may you walk in those ways. God bless you. Amen. And now we sing the psalm together. I want to encourage you to, to join with us as we sing the psalm uh, to the tune of St. Columba, uh, Psalm 128. Let's sing together. Blessed are all those who fear the Lord, who walk within His ways. You'll eat the fruit of all your work, and blessed will be your days. Your wife will be a fruitful vine in your home, full of peace. Your children round your table will be like young olive trees. For thus the one shall blessed be who fears the Lord indeed. Jerusalem's prosperity, may he bless you to see. From Zion may the Lord bless you. May all your days be well, and may you see your children's seed. Peace be to Lord God, we thank you for your word and we thank you for its truth. We pray now that we would know your great blessings upon our lives, upon our families, upon our church family. And we pray, Lord, that we might be as a people who continually live before you in fear and obedience, walking in your ways. We pray now, Lord, that your blessings might rest upon all of us. And with that blessing, the consciousness that all these blessings come through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that we might have new life in him and so walk in his ways. Lord, bless us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If you would like more information about our church or its ministries, please visit edgingtonepc.org. May God bless and keep you.